0: Dude, there's not a lot of people that can run 13 miles. Yeah, it was fun. No, Wait, no,
1: you stopped got right? up after you fainted mm-hmm. and kept running?
2: Yeah, like I walked for like a block just to make sure like my legs were good. Oh my god! And then I was like, okay, I'll just finish it off. And it was only probably like three quarters of a mile left, so I was like, I'll just. And like I, I, I had to run home, so it was like I'll just. You didn't have to. You, you have run to run home. home. <laughs> I mean, well, was, like, <laughs> you could have at least got right. on a jump what bike.
3: <laughs>
4: Welcome back to Activist Class. This is the beginning of season two.
1: Yay! Yay. Burr, burr, burr. Back and better than ever.
4: My, my name is here. My name is Speck. I am here with Day. Day Aretha.
1: Aretha! Chrissy. Hello.
4: And a very special guest, Sean Scott. Woo! How's it going, y'all? <laughs> um, but it's good to be back. We took the holidays off. Uh, this is officially the start of season two. All the local elections are done. We are moving on to bigger and better things, and to celebrate mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. we have somebody here who just went through a local election, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and is also on to bigger things.
5: But, yeah,
4: and yes.
2: related T- things.
4: Talk about talk. Talk a little bit about that. What are you doing right now? What is your new What is your new gig?
2: Yeah. So um, I work as the uh, Washington State Field Director for the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, Waged a really, really hard-fought city council campaign. Um, you know, was doing a little bit of uh, licking my wounds in the days after uh, the election results. You know, more or less being finalized, and I get a phone call from somebody with Bernie's team um, explaining that um, we did some really, really important work and that the struggle has to continue. Um, How long and did that
4: decision take for you to be like, I will do that?
2: I think I got started on my my, my resume um, that night. I, okay. I just got back wow. from seeing my dad. Um, and it was on the lift ride from visiting my dad where I'd gotten that phone call. It was the first time I had seen my dad since the election. So we were talking about how things were going. Um, and his last words to me as I was leaving and parting from seeing him that time was like, Hey man, just keep your head up. Things are going to work out. Aww. Um, mm-hmm. and pro- it was literally probably like 15 minutes later. Um, you know, as I'm driving right back into the city council district where I still live, um, that, you know, somebody who's close to the campaign let me know that this was really going to be a possibility. So
5: that's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And then I got hired, brought on as, as, uh, as Bernie's field director in, uh, in mid-December mm-hmm. and uh, working to build a grassroots movement here in the state. Yes. You think he has a shot at becoming president of the United States? Yeah, absolutely. I think he has a very, very good shot. I mean just looking at how things are going in the first four states
5: Is this your first time working on a presidential campaign?
2: Uh yes. I cool. I caucused for Bernie in 2016, but mm-hmm. that's a, that's a totally different level of, of organization and, and and experience this time around.
5: How's yeah. the like learning curve, like onboarding process? Like what has that been like?
2: It it feels you know, honestly, I haven't found it to be that that big of a technical leap. The, the, the national campaign staff did an amazing job onboarding all of us so that, um, it's not a sink or swim kind of operation. We don't feel kind of stranded or marooned out here in Washington state. So, um, awesome. you know, we're, 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 we're waging a 50 state strategy. So the national team is doing everything that they can to help all of us in, in Colorado and in Washington and a lot of states where, even in a lot of states where people are not expecting somebody like Bernie to win. Um, we're getting a lot of support. So, cool. Yeah. So I'm
4: also curious. Just this is somewhat related. Um, the thing that I like about these like gra- grassroots, very local campaigns is that they're like a pressure cooker mm-hmm. for young organizers. And your campaign, in particular, um, really like put a spotlight on some like fucking superstars that mm-hmm. are like coming up. Right. Um, I'm curious, like, what one how has it felt to like watch that movement move forward and also just like mm-hmm. what are you excited to watch like those folks do in the next coming months like are there projects that like you're seeing the movement that you help cultivate like ramifying out
2: right right mm-hmm. yeah i don't want to um i don't want to put anybody's uh anybody's personal business on blast as far as like you know my campaign staff and, and and opportunities that they've had put in front of them but you know we um and we can talk about this a little later uh you know, not a lot of people I think expected us to do as well as we did, and so there have been a lot of people who have taken a lot of interest in, um, you know, the unionized team of mostly um, Gen Zers that you know helped to make that campaign happen. Um, and I think it's 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 a you would rather have had that transformation happen from within City Hall, um, and I think it is is it speaks well of the future that. Um, folks that were involved in my campaign didn't get jaded because we happened to come up a little bit short. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anything, they've taken a lot of that energy to say, we came so close and we know with a little bit more um, experience, with, with, with a little bit more um, awareness about how some of these systems that weren't designed for us work, um, we know that we're going to be able to navigate these for the for the good of ourselves and for everybody in our community as well. So um, that's something that I'm really, really excited to see in the coming year years. Mm-hmm.
0: So you just finished the campaign? Yeah. Ended what month ago?
2: Yeah. Um, No, no, two months ago, probably now, right? What are we now? January. Today's January January. Mm twentieth. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Happy Um, MLK Day. So that would have been yeah. I mean, whatever. Whatever November eighth. That was about about when the results were sort of final. So a couple months. Yeah.
0: Obviously, coming really close. What's the percentage? The final percentage
2: of that? Uh, I think we pulled forty-eight percent. Yeah, it was, it was, I think That's we awesome. lost by, yeah, we lost by four and a quarter percent. Mm-hmm. You know? How did you feel going into it? I felt, I felt great. We felt we were going to win, especially as things started around to the last three weeks of the election. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mm-hmm. had um, been campaigning at that point for a year. Um, you know, we're killing it with democracy vouchers. I think we ended up in first place across like 56 city council campaigns, um, advance in a primary where I think there was a lot of pressure on us and I think people didn't necessarily expect us to make it through I think people even though we were doing really well with fundraising were seen as sort of a long-shot um, you know team running on issues that were really really I think center to what a lot of people and progressives in Seattle care about um, as far as affordable housing and a freelancers bill of rights um, radical action on climate change And so, when we get to the general election, we thought it was a really, really clear contest. Um, You know, doing great with fundraising that whole time as well. You know, our field team is really killing it. Um, In October, the Amazon money dump happens as well, and that shifts Mm -hmm. the narrative of a lot of these races. And I think even the Chamber of Commerce, you know, the capitalist arm of the city, would tell you that certain races that maybe they felt more comfortable in suddenly they were like. we don't know about this anymore, mm-hmm. um, and we we thought we were doing well the whole time, but we definitely could feel that shift start to happen in around October,
0: after the money dump.
2: After the money dump, yeah, because um, it
0: backfired.
2: It did, and you know it, that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is if you're not organizing your ass off the whole time, yeah. you're not really in a position to to you know capitalize, for lack of a better word, on a on an event like that in a campaign. So the mm-hmm. fact that we were killing it with doors the whole time. And then this big thing happens, and then Senator Warren, endor- you know, more or less, I shouldn't say endorses, shouts out the slate of anti-Amazon candidates. Robert Reich weighs in. Bernie endorses us. It just kind of started feeling like, okay, yeah. this is this yeah. is a, about what we thought was going to happen as we get down to this race. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, you know, we we probably were down a few more points than we would have liked on election night. I think we were down sixteen. Um, Whereas my preference would have been, you know, if we're down by going into that night, I was thinking to myself, if we're down by any less than 13 points, we're winning this race. Yeah. And it turns out that that was pretty much, pretty much right where we needed to be. Um, Mm. But, you know, it's just the way it went. I think demographically, there were a lot of challenges in our race. You know, our opponent was, you know, also out there making his case to voters as well. And that's the way it goes. Yeah.
5: As a candidate, um, you know, this set of campaigns was the second round with democracy vouchers. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about like what your experience was? Was it like helpful? Because I know first iteration, there was some bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. So I think they made some changes. So like, how did it go for you all? Was it helpful? Was it not helpful?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that there's a reason why the democracy voucher program had gotten a lot of attention from the presidential candidates in earlier 2019, um, and it's because in the middle of the conversation that I think um, Bernie had helped to start around corporate control over American politics, we didn't have federal examples of what it would look like to combat that with public election finances, so we had to look to the local level in Seattle's program. If we were not the first, I know we're definitely the biggest city to yeah. have a program like ours, so that um, I think there was, a real, there was a real way that that particular election cycle at that time um, Really synced up with the mood of the country, mm-hmm. and it made it so that when we went out to table and talked to voters at Trader Joe's, talked to voters at you know Wallingford QFC, mm-hmm. um, you know they were really, really ready for the conversation about hey, signing these democracy vouchers over to this campaign, which is standing for these issues, that resonated with people. Um, and I think you sort of you sort of saw that in the in the the way that the precinct level results turned out as well, like the places where we spent most of the time grabbing our vouchers are the places where we did extremely well. Um, I think we won every precinct in, in Wallingford except mm. for like two or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, which would, I think for a lot of people be really, really unthinkable if you were to say, here's mm-hmm. a black democratic socialist candidate going into a historically white neighborhood mm-hmm. right. like Wallingford that people think of as kind of a... a um
1: Nimbie. Yeah,
2: <laughs> a, a NIMBY <laughs> stronghold and a very retrenched... Um, kind of place that is going to be closed off to a lot of the ideas that we were talking about as far as density and housing the homeless. Mm. And here they were not only voting for us, but also using these vouchers to support the campaign. So I hope mm. that that's something that future candidates in future election cycles um, take note of. Mm. Yeah. For
0: sure. I want to dig into that more. Mm-hmm. A black socialist candidate mm-hmm. targeting to run in a district that's predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Middle, upper class, a lot of it. Right. When did you decide D4 is what I'm gunning for? Obviously, you living there mm-hmm. and um, having community there is a part of it, but like, mm-hmm. when were you like, yeah, Rob Johnson's seat, at least at the time, mm-hmm. that's where I'm making my mark and I'm going to start campaigning there? Because I'm at a grassroots campaign like yours, you're having to prepare yeah. for that yeah. months mm-hmm. in advance, years in advance. Right. And so, as you're scheming this, um. At the same time, other young candidates of color with socialist mm-hmm. ideals are running a lot more national bigger campaigns mm-hmm. that are are media messaging focused um, yeah well, i mean what what what's what's your planning process with that
2: i mean it, it wasn't it didn't have much to do with professional ambition I mean I guess anybody who runs for anything has a certain level of political ambition of a kind but for me it was extremely authentic it it had to do with the fact that um we i personally and i don't think most of my comrades and organizations like dsa i know from you know talking you know with you day obviously that a lot of folks in seattle's broadly defined left were feeling like there was probably a void of leadership on some really important issues and um a sense that a lot of elected officials were not really, really being real with Seattleites about what the challenges were and what our options were for facing them. And we were getting a lot of half measures. So it started there. It started with attending sweeps as a protester and a journalist in District 4. It started with like reporting on, reporting on houselessness and housing-related issues in Seattle and racial inequity in Seattle. For many years and just seeing, you know, there's going to be a contest for what direction the city is going to go in. And this happens to be an area that I have really deep roots in and I th- that and an area that I think I know pretty well, too, because it's it's not only the fact that there are some affluent homeowners to one side of the district. On the other side of the district, I do think that there were also a lot of homeowners that were very, very legitimately insecure that didn't necessarily feel like market-driven solutions for housing, were, for housing were the direction we needed to go in, that there was a public option for lack of a, a better phrase as far as housing was concerned that we weren't seeing articulated well enough. And then a, a ton of students as well in the university district, in Roosevelt, um, in Eastlake as well, um, for whom this wasn't an academic question, but one that was like really, really materially felt. So I think when you add all of those things in, and then you consider that I didn't necessarily see anybody leaping at the opportunity to represent right, the district right. either. It was like, I feel like I have to, you know, in, in coalition with others that want to see this change be made, have to do something about this. So that was kind of the decision to, um, That I guess that was sort of the genesis of the, of the decision to run.
4: And it seems like you were, like you said, betting, rolling the dice and betting pretty heavily on your ability to speak to young students mm-hmm. and just like youth, the right. youth in general. Um, in a w- And it turned out to be very effective, um, mm-hmm. particularly like with the student population who's like not necessarily from there. They, they aren't rooted there. They aren't mm-hmm. necessarily inven- invested in the future there. Right. Um, just a very hard demographic to like speak to mm-hmm. and for and even like mobilize. But you were able to do that mm-hmm. in ways that I haven't seen other candidates locally do that Mm -hmm. how how what did you learn in terms of like things you can pass on to like other organizers Mm -hmm. and and like being able to speak to that demographic
2: yeah so you 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 have to i guess i'm kind of a firm believer that you can't really represent anybody well if you haven't had most if not all or at least very similar life experiences the ones Mm -hmm. that they had so even though i'm not i mean i'm when I was running, I was 34 years old, right? Most of that year, I was 34 years old, turned 35 at the end of the year. And so there, I think there was, there was some some kinds of experiences that I drew I drew on as far as housing insecurity that I think added to the urgency of the message, experiences that I've had with um, police accountability and protesting it that I think landed pretty well in a district where Charlene O'Lyles was murdered by the Seattle Police Department, mm-hmm. um, experiences that I've had with having to wear an N95 mask in the summer, like maybe we should be doing more about climate justice here. Mm -hmm. And then that said, the experiences that you don't have, if you're not filling in the gaps as far as surrounding yourself with people who are Mm -hmm. immediately Mm -hmm. steeped in it, Mm -hmm. that's the next step that you have to make. So all of our campaign staff, which was unionized, most of them were a year at most out of school. Mm -hmm. They were Some were in school for a lot of the campaign um was that an organic thing or was that
4: very intentional from the start
2: it was it was really it was deliberate and i didn't know at the start of the year how exactly that was going to look but Mm -hmm. i had known that that energy was going to be indispensable and that one way or another that was going to have to be a part of how we roll how we rolled and how we operated Mm -hmm. there there are aspects of it that i think because um sarana our deputy field um Coordinator and Rabina, our field coordinator, um Karina, our field director, um Rico, our finance director, was sort of like our core staff, right? They all they knew each other in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So those connections they sort of pieced together as the campaign rolled on. Mm -hmm. Um and they took it to a place that I couldn't have imagined because like I said, there was a little bit of an age difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's something that I would say, you know, anybody who's planning on running, if you don't have the experience of the people that you're running to represent. Yeah. You have to build a team that mm-hmm. hopefully can get you there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And even that even then you might be out of touch if you don't have the experiences mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's I think about internalizing what representation actually means.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Representing, right? It's everybody cannot necessarily occupy this office in city hall, everybody can't necessarily make it to all of these committee meetings. So instead, what they're saying is you have a responsibility to represent our anxieties, our aspirations, everything that we Mm -hmm. need to see. Um, and you have somewhat of a responsibility to take us with you there as well. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think all of that sort of went into, um, I guess how the team was constructed and how we went about campaigning.
1: You guys were brilliant and also fun and all very attractive, too. <laughs> so I know that, like, you know, campaigning, door knocking, you, you door knock on some doors and have yeah. rough conversations. You never know really what you're going to get. But it seems like you guys were really supportive of one another and you experienced so much joy. Right. And um, I would love to hear, like, what some of those joyful moments looked like, like how you encouraged each other as a mm-hmm. team and what your team dynamic was like.
2: Well, we're petty. And <laughs> the, the, the pettiness is a huge part of it because we got a lot of shit on a plate from a lot of different directions and so you know i i I would be having you know candidate forms where endorsers would tell me that i sounded too academic and that's why they weren't going to endorse we had somebody like spray paint you know the n-word on one of my yard signs i think you know the week or so before the election itself Mm -hmm. um i'm still getting twitter notifications about articles talking about me as an anti-semite because I referred to Palestinian rights,
3: Mm.
2: all kinds of all and just all kinds of ways that I think candidates of color get gaslit. Mm -hmm. You know, you have white candidates that are talking about being more versed in racial justice than you. Mm. Um, And so if you don't have like the, the the, the joy came from being able to process all of that with one another Mm -hmm. and most of the time channel our responses in such a way so that they were constructive and productive. Mm -hmm. I think, the te- the temptation is always that you re- you externalize the frustration that or you externalize sort of the the negative stuff that you're getting from certain aspects of the electorate and honestly from a lot of people that don't even live in Seattle and just don't want to see people of color especially black people anywhere near any kind of elected office right mm-hmm. and if you channel that back out you your your relationship with the people is is off you're you're not you're not actually Building the connection that you need to make. So I think as a team, that was where a lot of the a lot of the joy came from. Was we didn't have a choice because you know we couldn't be miserable with one another at that point in time. At, at that point, it's like, what's even the purpose of what are we doing here then? Mm-hmm. Exactly, if it's not to if it's not actually to try to shine, you know, a, a light in the direction of of you know a better way for the city's politics. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, I think that. You know, and so the 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 kind of like the mo you, you ask about sort of like some of these lighter moments. I just think mostly about like us just playing music extremely and obnoxiously loudly and tabling at Wallingford and <laughs> just loving the fact that six out of ten people would say like, Oh, I recognize you from so and so, but then two or three out of ten people might tell us to screw off or try to give us a lecture about something that they don't actually know much about. Um and we would actually relish being able to deal with those kinds of confrontations and not a confrontational way, if that makes sense. So I think that was that was a big part of the nervous system of our campaign. I'd
0: imagine a lot of memes in the group chat.
2: Oh man, I I was unelectable in the group chat, man. If people <laughs> saw, people would be like, man. I mean, I was you are the master the at
0: chat. posting memes without any context. and like you'd
2: have to guess like
0: what you're talking about what's your
1: favorite meme what's Mm. your yeah
2: um you know you can't give away too much of the game but i mean memes (laughs) memes exist for (laughs) a reason man the city
0: the city is did you see that competition the city's doing right now free labor free labor they're trying to um they're saying please enter this competition to promote uh safety safety from what in, in the south end of Just Seattle, general. around, like, general. transportation. Yeah, it's, it's, like,
1: crosswalks or something.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. They're, like, giving away a gift card. That's but, cool. But they're trying to also, like, collect, like, thousands of memes. It's, like, a meme contest. But oh. it's, like, hire, uh-huh. hire a Gen or to, like, make your memes, you know? Because it's an art form. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an, definitely an art form. Not
2: everyone can make memes. <laughs>
1: Ooh, what did you do immediately after the campaign like just to decompress?
2: Um, so so November 8th was my birthday.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was the that was the day where it, you know, it sort of started to become it was pretty clear that, you know, we were down by more votes than I think we had to count. So, um, honestly, I had a really really good birthday with my campaign staff. Um my partner came through as well and it was just like a really really great great night. Um and so, what I, my memory of the ninth and the tenth was, and this again was part of the, the 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 training for a half marathon. Saturday morning was distance running day, so I didn't really have much else to do other than figure out a what my next job is going to be,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know. B get the carbs up, and C try to hit some miles. That mm-hmm. was pretty much what I did in the in the immediate aftermath. Um, it wasn't. It really wasn't. wasn't too much of a I know I know like some some candidates I think take um either winning or losing really really mm-hmm. personally in such a way but for mm-hmm. me it was like you know my thing was just give it everything that I have so at the end of it it's just like all right I just have to figure out what the next you know how we're going to continue building the movement after this and I knew that you know the the way that that would have to look is by you know taking care of myself and not not allowing myself to get really, really up and and hyped up because we just won the selection. And I told y'all like, cause you can get on the ego thing too, Mm -hmm. if it works out, Mm -hmm. that can be almost as, as dangerous and corrupting in some ways as it not working out. Mm -hmm. And you know, the negative aspects that come from it too. So I think that my memory of that, that next like three or four days was trying to stay as even as possible and trying to search for the next possibility. So it was like a lot of, a lot of pretty good habits. I mean, a lot of Trying trying to cultivate good habits, I should say, like, mm-hmm. you know, making sure I'm spending a lot of quality time with friends, with family, um, processing how I'm feeling. So not losing, not running from it, so to speak, but mm-hmm. also not dwelling in some of the more negative emotions that come from coming up short.
1: And checking in with your team, it sounds like you guys stayed. There. Oh,
2: yeah, we spent a lot of time. I spe- I think I think especially in that 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 subsequent week, we spent a lot of time with with each other. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm just making sure we were all okay Mm -hmm. you know i think that was kind of the main thing
1: and like sufficiently debriefing and kind of processing with each other yeah what were some of the things the team processed
2: um
1: and i want to preface this by saying that like they they were many of them were younger Mm -hmm. were some of was this their first campaign for some of them
2: you know I, i don't think i'd be breaking the circle of trust to say most of our campaign staff wouldn't they have said to me repeatedly that they wouldn't necessarily be fucking with electoral work or campaign yeah. work if it weren't for the particular vision and platform that, that mm-hmm. our campaign was standing on. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, I felt an added motivation to just be the best candidate that I could have been for them because you can't be entrusted like with something mm-hmm. like that and then, you know be doing shots the night before mm-hmm. you're supposed to be doing debate. You're, you're going out for a debate. You're supposed to be doing debate prep or just conducting yourself in a way that makes it clear that you're not taking the, the gravity of this seriously. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People's so, favor. yeah. So that was, that was kind of a lot of it. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think our, you know, kind of things that I've shared around just, just, just bonding with one another and making sure that we were all, all right, all, all right. And sort of processing that was kind of mainly what we did. I think I missed your question, actually.
1: I, I asked about what were some of the things that you all collectively processed as you mm-hmm. debriefed the campaign and mm-hmm. thinking that some of them, it might have been their first campaign that they had worked on. Right, like, what right. were the big takeaways? But mm-hmm. my takeaway from that, too, is just, like, seeing so many people move on and do great things right. and right, having that right. campaign be um, a great experience for everyone who was part of it and also the fact that you guys were able to form a union in the process. Right, and like That's all them. Just the experience of it. Right. Yeah. So hearing some of what everyone processed would Mm -hmm. be interesting.
2: Yeah. I think, I think mostly we kind of walked away with the sense that we did everything that we could to put the best face on some ideas that we haven't seen brought up before that will hopefully be brought up subsequently. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And, you know. We know we did right by our volunteers. Our volunteers felt like they did their best as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily know that it's the case that everybody can look at the last year of Seattle politics and feel that they did their absolute best. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really, really emboldening feeling mm-hmm. to have. Um, and so sharing that with one another, knowing that, um, you know, we we won, you know, actually did quite well in a primary that I think, you know, a lot of people thought we were gonna take a pretty significant L in. I mean, I saw some people saying that we were gonna be down there at at 10, 10, 11% or something like that. Mm -hmm. So for us to come out with close to 25, I think, um, 6,000 votes we earned in the primary and then we added another 9,000 votes in the general election. Um, It's actually more than our opponent had added. So, you know, all of those, you just add all of those things Mm -hmm. up and we just felt really great about all the work that we put in, especially about all the ideas that we brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I love that, too, because yeah. they told you that they weren't going to fuck with electoral politics unless right. they had a candidate that had a platform right. that made sense and aligned with their values. And I just mm-hmm. think, like, that's so rare mm-hmm. to find a candidate who can bring those values into electoral politics and to bring socialist values into Mm -hmm. politics so that Mm -hmm. our community can build capacity and infrastructure Mm -hmm. in that direction right where it's so needed like so much of the talent in that area just stays away because there isn't a candidate that we can get behind right right i was also gonna say i think mm -hmm.
5: being a grassroots campaign the way that those campaigns build their platforms is always so different Mm -hmm. right so i would love to hear more about how you all built your platform because you're right like the Mm -hmm. things that you all were talking about were not what other candidates were talking about mm-hmm. my favorite was the freelancers bill of rights so if you could talk about that one mm-hmm. specifically right. that's so fucking fly
2: right right so i mean it it that particular aspect of our of our platform i think came from the competition of the situation we were in a a, ra- a, a primary race where there were um f- you know four front runners 10 candidates in general right. One candidate who had a very strong labor background, another with a very strong environmentalist background, one with a very um, extensive resume, and you know, sort of the revolving door working with um, private housing and a lot of luxury housing, and then joining the government. So here we were, you know, Sean Scott talking about democratic socialists. So we th- there was an there's an added weight on us to like actually go ahead and try to dig into what we saw as certain weaknesses, and so though we did not early on enjoy a ton of labor capital l support that didn't mean that we didn't have experience as workers and i in particular came out of the freelance journalist world and so i knew that there was something that we could be doing around around freelancers rights and so it was through coalition building with um sydney chun who had started an organization coming out of working washington which they do awesome work in their own right Um, Sydney had started an organization I think called Level Up, um, and it was in conversations with her um, and in going over a lot of Carrie Moon's old campaign planks from her general election against Mayor Durkin, Mm -hmm. against eventual Mayor Durkin, um, where we sort of started to piece together the idea of a freelancer's bill of rights as a way of sort of saying, um, here's where we stand on some defining labor struggles. Mm Um, so that's where that that came from in particular. I mean, decriminalizing sex work, which was something that actually I think council member now council Member Morales, um, you know, huge shout out to her on a, a great victory as well. I know she's going to do really really great things on Council. Like that was something she actually talked about first. Um, although we had met with the Seattle the Sex Workers Outreach Project really really early in our campaign, um, and we were planning to sort of you know roll that out at a certain point. I think Tammy had. Had beaten us to the punch and so we were, you know, only too happy to be second on an Mm -hmm. issue like that because you want more people talking about it rather than less. Um yeah, so I could you know go on on down the line for all of our platform Mm -hmm. as far as like the, the Green New Deal, you know, and talking about like progressive revenue to actually fund um, you know, bike lane infrastructure and free transit. That came from the fact that we had, you know, environmentalist competitors who were not necessarily anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it was like, you have to, like, yeah. gotcha. Like, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you have to do sure. both of those things if you're serious about the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where that, that kind of came from. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: interesting because it, well, going back, you said that a lot of people thought you guys were going to get 10 11%. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is you guys killed it. Mm-hmm. Forty percent, you said.
2: Forty-eight percent in the in the general, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think people, I saw some numbers that said we were literally going to yeah. be like, right. like ten percent in the in the primary. And yeah. I've been a
0: part of campaigns, and I think a lot of us have here or supported campaigns where mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of doubt mm-hmm. of performance mm-hmm. on how the candidates we supported or for yourself the candidate mm-hmm. would do. And in the end, coming so close, and sometimes the agony mm-hmm. of that i mean four points right mm-hmm. can have you in this mindset and i know you said you took some time mm-hmm. um, did some self-care mm-hmm. checked in with your team which is all great mm-hmm. um but there must have been some time when you're spent thinking about those four points and you're like mm-hmm. what are some things i, I could have done differently could i right, have right. made it up right um did you get in that headspace at all and if, if so are there some things you look back and you're like damn maybe if i mm-hmm. Did this instead because from mm-hmm. somebody who supported your campaign from afar, mm-hmm. um, you did really well, and I felt like there was no part of your campaign that felt like you were selling out, mm-hmm. you know, and like you tried to play the game mm-hmm. to be, to get elected. Like you ran the campaign you and your team wanted to run, mm-hmm. and still did as well as you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but four points can I, I you know, I can mm-hmm. only imagine can feel like. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it's it's like a. It, it's this is where the the sports resonance comes in, you know okay. what I mean? Where it's just like <laughs> how how you can at any point in a given game you could sit there and say yeah. like, oh, you know, I missed two free throws at the thing. I could have done, you know, yeah. I could have Malik Turner you know, could have caught that pass or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I got it, it, to me, it was like we were we were. I did get to that space and also I guess my mind always tends to go a little bit more to like what the obstacles were mm-hmm. and like I my my like one one example my mm-hmm. my sister was probably one of the closest people on planet earth yeah. to me passes away mm-hmm. in late August right so mentally that that's and that's right after primaries yeah most general elections kind of like really start around labor day so like you know, that happens and, like, congratulations. There's your next couple of months is that this is going to be your emotional reality, you know, in in sort of bonding with, you know, your family, making sure you're right with yourself, finding ways to properly grieve your sister while also, you know, waging a campaign. And Yeah, you can't take two weeks that's off. That's, like, you just can't do it. Right. So, there's that. There's, you know, the perception thing. I mean, some people were even, like, yeah, you may have won the primary, but he didn't win it by as much as he thought he was going to win it by, or there were all these, it's like, so the perception thing didn't necessarily go away because we won in the primary. Um, so I think more about sort of what we were able to overcome versus what, you know, you know, the couple of adjustments here or there that, um, you know, may have resulted in getting four more points. But I think we we did pretty much everything that we, we could have done. Um, I guess I would, I would the, the main thing that I think about I got a really bad flu at one point in time in October as well. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with that. And I think that probably came more about from um, the number one thing that I would change, which is just getting certain small lifestyle things in order, mm-hmm. like having more of a, those are hard. Yeah. More yeah. of a yeah. daily routine not built
5: to have yeah. sustainable mm-hmm. lifestyles. Yeah.
2: But I, I think I do, you know, to this, to the spirit of, of day's question, I think you are right, Aretha in saying that like, it's really, really difficult to do that and it's like well could i have gone one step further and been like these are the kinds of things i'm going to do on a daily basis as somebody who's like struggling to pay rent and also trying to win this election you know was there one more one more kind of level of like um schedule or structure or routine that i could have built in that would have made it so that you know, maybe I would have had a little bit more stamina down the stretch because by the end of it, I was pretty spent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always want to, you know, finish. Like, we're talking about running. Like, you know, finishing the run with your fastest mile to me is always really, really important. I don't necessarily think that that happened for me personally. I think as a campaign, it definitely happened. I think our campaign was definitely at its best in the general election. For me individually, though, I could sort of start to feel, you know, the the a little bit of fatigue sort of start to, start to set in by the time we got to October. Mm-hmm. Um and I think if that were different, I think we probably could have had a different result. Well you know, that's the way it goes.
1: I think you'll have more opportunities in the future, right? Yeah. Do you see future campaigns, future runs in your la la la?
2: Yeah, I mean, you don't you never know. I mean, I've Breaking I've, News. I know, right? You're trying to get it out of me right now. I mean, <laughs> I think that the first run was really, really um, it didn't it didn't feel like it was something that was based off of like political calculations and yeah. like, well, if this person runs for mm-hmm. this, then I'll be able to, you know. And so I would like to be able to feel like if I were to run for something again, it would be similarly based around just a organic. felt need. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Um,
2: and the reality of it is, most candidates do better the second or third time that they run because of the experience question, because mm-hmm. of the name recognition thing. Um, and so there's certain you know advantages that you sort of have that you know, as somebody who's in you know a position maybe to do it. Again at a different point, I think I would be letting a lot of people down to not at least consider it yeah. and you know, keep it
3: yeah.
2: keep it as something that um, you know, I think about because there's still a lot of people who need to see movement on issues that we brought up. What and sign are you? I may uh this is and what's right your kind you of what's your Right, move? Cutting right to the chase. Yeah. So the
1: whole I need the whole thing. The
2: whole chart. Yeah. So
1: As much as you can give us, yeah.
2: So this is something my campaign staff made me give them.
1: Of course. Um, see? Of course. And I delayed, oh, of course. And, delayed and delayed in this room. and delayed. And I finally
2: what? gave it to them in, in uh, I think it was wrong. April. March or April. Found out my chart. Okay. Um, I knew I was a Scorpio son. Mm. Um, what I found out. Is that I'm a Leo rising? Oh hell yeah! Leo's oh, wow. in
0: the house. Shut the
5: fuck up. Oh oh oh! Not you, just you.
2: <laughs> that was a wolf. Why you wolf. get it? Let's <laughs> <And>,
0: uh...
5: growl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay. Sorry. So Scorpio, Leo.
2: Leo rising, okay. and then a uh, Taurus moon.
1: Yes! Wow. Yes! Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's see that's what we get along.
2: I'm a Taurus moon,
0: really? and I'm a Leo sun. Wow. Yeah, but I'm a Cancer rising. Okay. Sensitive. Mm.
1: So you have <laughs> wow. a wild ass chart.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: <laughs>
5: it's, it's, <laughs> Welcome to Chrissy's Constellations. That's yeah. <laughs> been explained segment.
1: to me. Yeah, yeah. What's yours? I'm a Pisces with a Cancer Rising and a Moon in Virgo. Okay. Yeah, it's that's a rough chart. Come on, Wait, Sean say Rick. the say the signs again. I'm a my my sun sign is Pisces.
2: So it's wa- that's water. Water,
1: very sensitive. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My rising is Cancer. So that's more water. More water, equally sensitive. I describe myself as a lactating breast sometimes. <laughs> and then my moon is in Virgo. What? What's Virgo? <laughs> Bitchy. No, but Judgmental? Like, what's the element?
2: <laughs> that's the element. Oh. oh. <laughs> no, <that's not laughs> <like me. laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I I'm always think
5: like
1: <laughs> Avatar: The Last Airbender. It's Earth.
2: It's Earth. It's uh-huh, yeah.
1: yeah. So you're like a plant, it grounds me. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, earth
2: science. So the discernment you have have process.
0: You know, as you, as they you said,
5: fuck
1: this. <laughs> you I felt hit Roll his
5: eye.
0: You see how quick <laughs> yeah. hit, Day, day well, hit that eject I button. I want a quick cool question about what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. As you know, you decided to run for this. Yeah. Possibly who knows, running future things. Mm -hmm. What does that discernment process look like with your relationship to DSA? Because I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people connected you as a DSA candidate. Mm -hmm. And we talked to Shama um, a couple weeks ago, and she kind of broke down her relationship with Socialist Alternative Mm -hmm. and being accountable to them and really her running because they wanted her to run. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, What does that relationship look like between you and DSA? Well, I think, you know, our campaign doesn't do... As well as it does without a strong relationship to um, not only the grassroots apparatus that DSA represents and that people have come to respect more and more, I think, over the last couple of years, but also what the ideas that we bring to the table. Um, You know, the Eco Socialist Caucus that we have, I think, was really, really instrumental in all the ideas that we brought to the table about our particular version of a Green New Deal, um, which I understand you know, was somewhat influential for the um, Got Green, Puget Sound Sage, um, 350 Seattle incarnation of a Seattle Green New Deal. Those those kinds of ideas didn't come from our campaign simply. They came from the fact that we were baked into, I think, a lot of other anti-socialist organizers, or anti-socialist organizers, anti-capitalist organizers that were thinking along these lines. so, like... um You know, DSA is a a very different organization than a lot of other socialist organizations. I think that... You
0: guys are more hip?
2: You know, we think that how we relate... (laughs) (laughs)
5: That was a (laughs) not-no.
2: We think that the way that we relate to people and the way that we come off matters. And we think that it's possible to not have a trade-off between being very, very rooted in our ideas and and building extremely strong coalitions with people that want to see them actualized and that means I think also making it look like we're having fun which mm-hmm. speaks to a little bit of the point I think yeah. of what you're talking about about how our campaign looked generally so you know that 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 matters to us and I think that that you know bled into our, how our campaign proceeded as well
0: I think the reputation that we also discussed a couple of weeks ago with these socialist organizations, mm-hmm. at least here, and a lot of times nationally, mm-hmm. other places, is that it's pretty predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, the candidates, at least the more polarizing public campaigns, mm-hmm. your campaign, Shama Swan's campaign, produces produces candidates of color. Mm-hmm. right? And I think when an outsider kind of looks at what DSA is doing and kind of pumping out candidates like sean scott or pumping our essays pumping on candidates like shama sawan you kind of like oh this is really dope you mm-hmm. know their policies are dope and their candidates are representing mm-hmm. people who are impacted who the issues are about mm-hmm. is that a pretty accurate representation or like where where is the disconnect with mm-hmm. this understanding that socialism at least as organizations have been pretty predominantly white mm-hmm. but the candidates are Not, at least recently. I
2: mean, to me, that runs the gamut of Mm -hmm. the broadly defined left in Seattle. I mean, I think about Mm -hmm. the fact that there's a, you know, I think about the fact that Councilmember Mosqueda is as dynamic a leader as the city has seen in ever, and is also coming from a marginalized background herself. People have criticisms that they levy against the establishment in the city And a lot of those I don't think necessarily line up with like who the torchbearers in the city's politics actually are and that it's really, I think, people of color that are dragging the city to a place where it has resisted going Mm -hmm. for a very long time. So I don't think that you have to be a socialist organization to have these questions sort of asked between who is out, you know, in the front sort of really representing progress on really important issues um, and who the perceived sort of you know, power holders in a given organization might be. I think that's what people tend to think about organizations like DSA is that, you know, you have candidates of color that are that are, you know, in 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 a, in a less charitable interpretation, right? Like sort of carrying water for white boys in DSA, and that you know, this was the, the criticism that I actually got on the campaign trail is that you know, Sean Scott he's not, he's not spending time in the public housing in Magnuson in his district, which I absolutely was. He's out canvassing in Wallingford, just like. The other Bernie bros are and it's like at, at a certain point in time. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that's that's I save that for the group yeah. chat. That, that reaction that we even just gave right there. That was what made me unelectable in the group chat. Um, but that's I think that people are just going to try to find all kinds of ways to like, you know, chip away at, you know, especially I mean, I, I feel like I actually had it relatively. Pretty OK. Like, I dealt with specific kinds of anti-black racism on the campaign trail that none of the other left candidates did. But I also did not have to deal with, you know, the second guessing and the criticism of my appearance and people talking over me the way that um, women of color especially are going to have to deal with when they're running. So it's like, at at a certain point in time, it just became really clear that there's a, a strong affinity between the broadly defined left, especially the people of color in Seattle politics... Um, some of the ones that I've mentioned and that you've talked about and that, you know, the best thing that we can do is just ignore most of it and just try to win our race.
1: Um. So in that election, I think that there was some hopefulness that mm-hmm. it had unified the left. Yeah. Because the broadly defined left is still somewhat siloed. Mm-hmm. And we all have our differences and we all have our interpersonal mm-hmm. histories with one another and differences in how we organize in politics. Right. But, like, there was hope. Mm-hmm that there was a glimmer of what a more unified movement on the left could look like. Mm-hmm. And now that the dust has kind of settled I, we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of new head text policies mm-hmm. uh, being put forth by almost every single group right And I'm just curious like how that is actually shaking out like mm-hmm. is there hope that that this that we're still moving towards a more unified left or mm-hmm. or is there work that are, community still needs to do Mm -hmm. that would strengthen itself if we worked more closely together?
2: Well, I think, you know, you, if you, if you win your election, the first thing that you win is really the right to do your job for three or four months without, you know, folks that were part of the election cycle necessarily chiming in on how you're going about your business. Um, So I have tried to sort of reserve as much judgment as I can on how council dynamics without us on it are sort of going to play out and how those fights are going to look. I think that's only fair. Um, And, you know, my hope is that my hope is that what we saw in the last three weeks of the election cycle where we had um, Robert Reich saying that um, you know, Council Member Herbold and um, Councilmember Member Sawant and myself and others he were shouting all of us out as people who were going to represent some very clear pushback against really, really obvious corporate overreach in our city's politics. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there were a lot of candidates that enjoyed that support. And I would like to see the left generally get to the place where that is dignified in how we proceed policy-wise. Mm-hmm. That energy, it was an unmistakable part of why I think the broadly defined left did as well as it did in the last election cycle. It was part of the reason why turnout was as high as it was in most of these races, 55% in my right. district, as high as I think it was something like 60% in D3. Um, and so you want to sh- see um, the unity that we saw the last three weeks of that election cycle actually sort of manifest in... How we proceed policy wise. So we'll, you know, it's up to the folks who got elected and up to the power players. And I think up to, you know, up to the people of Seattle too to make sure that um, the energy that a lot of us felt for our candidates in all of these districts doesn't just dissipate. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, You know, immediately after um, our election results were certified, I think there was a poll that was paid for, um, a really great poll that um, our comrades in organized labor paid for. That that illustrated that um, ideas related to taxing large corporations were number one extremely popular citywide, and number two most popular in my district, (laughs) right? Really, that's
5: wild. Yeah, what?
2: Um, It was something like eighty-four percent of respondents in District Four said taxing the rich to pay for social services is something that we need to see. And I could have said that, you know, Mm -hmm. any of any of us who were out knocking doors in all of these districts could have said that any candidate who I think was in touch with their district could have said that not just me personally. So um, you, you want to see, I think that actually reflected in what council decides to do in, in the coming year. And I know that, um, you know, Councilmember member Musqueda and, and Councilmember Sawant Morales didn't have to get pulled, pulled there. Yeah. Um, whereas my understanding is that um, there's going to be, some 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 coaxing and some organizing that we want to get to make sure that everybody recognizes the stakes for for doing this the right way. Mm. So, so when I
0: before I like officially met you, it must have been like maybe a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you as a writer, right, a filmmaker, and obviously someone really into politics. And now I think it's safe to say like like a political person, right? Mm-hmm. Are those three separate things in your life? are you kind of focusing on the politics kind of side now are you still doing film
2: um less film less i think people it kind of irks me that a lot of people don't actually know me as a writer what i do think that's correct like most people were surprised like
0: i mean i have to fucking shove it down my timelines throw out there, like
2: i'm a writer respect me please but i mean i haven't i haven't
0: written i literally
5: heard that like the different caps text (laughs) what
2: was oh the
0: yeah yeah the sponge (laughs) sponge i mean i feel you on that but i mean i like
2: i i I feel like you're a (laughs) way you're a writer respect me (laughs) respect me please You just got clowned on so hard (laughs) journalism matters
0: no that was supporting me sean (laughs) Uh, But you you have a lot of
2: bylines though you write pretty consistently yeah but I haven't written for a year I haven't written that was
0: your last Jacko bin
2: byline I haven't haven't written a Jacko bin I read that in the SpongeBob letters too I, I did the last thing that I got that I got um. That was, like, a Guardian. professional thing that I wrote was for The Guardian. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, 11 months ago at this point. Everything 11 else that months,
5: that I've like, written, a long time in writer world? Fuck.
2: <laughs> it, I mean, it kind of is when you're, you're sh- if you're shaking 250 hands, you know, every four days. Like, most people who you who you, who you you meet yeah. at that point are not meeting you in your capacity as somebody who sits in a room and fiddles with yeah. vowels. Like, they're <laughs> thinking about you as, like, oh, you're politician. Yeah out there kind of person like not necessarily seeing I guess the more introspective part of what goes into it like I would write like kind of campaign dispatches from our medium account so I would get it the the, you know I'd get it out that way but I think most people just don't know me as that I guess I don't I guess I don't know what people think of me when it comes down to (laughs) it. I don't know and I don't know how separate those are really because Mm -hmm. to me I think like you know you know, a lot of lot of lot of politicians like made their way into it by being creatives of a kind or another. Like I think about, um, you know, the fact that Nikita's, you know, a spoken word artist, a rapper, as, you know as well as, you know, a lawyer and an activist. Like, but the the artistic part of it, I think, f- was really really key to how, the People's Party campaign functioned in 2017 because it was extremely good at like putting how 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 nikita was put forward and there's like an extroverted part of it that i think like creatives get that is harder for people that don't come from performance backgrounds to understand i think that was a huge advantage but it
0: also allowed them to just focus on that part and discredit her as an attorney right discredit her as someone who has been who Mm -hmm. has a master's in education right right exactly It's like, oh yeah, this spoken word artist who like Seattle Times have no problem saying that. Right, Mm -hmm. right. But it's like kinda listing those other credentials. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the most overrated part of a campaign? Like, you know, you know, there are some people who I think are wrong who says like door knocking doesn't matter as much anymore. I think your campaign proved that it actually really does. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, like just ask like, did you it was there a point where you quit? Like, I'm not I'm not fucking phone banking anymore.
2: Um I would, honestly, I would say that that might be it. I think, I think call time and reaching people through like mm. them picking up the, f- for, for our particular race.
1: Did you text?
2: We did a ton of text banking mm. in place of, I think, call? traditional, like, like me as the candidate mm-hmm. doing call time. I felt like, because we had, a, we had a few things working in our advantage to where it would actually would have been a kind of a waste of time if I were calling people asking for donations when we had such a great finance team doing that and mm-hmm. so many vouchers coming in and all that. So, um, yeah, for me, I think that probably would have been the, the, the number one thing is like the, and we were doing house parties where we're talking to 20, 25, 30 people
3: mm-hmm.
2: and actually having an in-person, um, an in-person event that doubled as a fundraising ask versus calling somebody at ten thirty in mm-hmm. the morning, if it were me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I no, I was I was trying to be the I was like on the on the search for what it looked like to be the perfect candidate. So I was trying to do I was like, Okay, how's, how is does a candidate supposed to door knock? How are you supposed to be at forums? How are you supposed to be with interviews? How are you supposed to like I tried to take all of those things really, really seriously, but the one I guess so I guess the thing that I think was overrated were the things that I realized that like I didn't necessarily have to do to keep the campaign going. And that was ultimately I think doing call time for fundraising. Just for our particular campaign it just wasn't a need for me to be doing a lot of that
0: what about underrated
2: underrated um i would say tabling and postcards um as a candidate it's it's really really tough to beat the energy of like somebody seeing you actually out there Mm -hmm. every time they go to qfc um and every time you talk to them you're like you're happy to see them because you legitimately are that made a really big impact on people, I think. And I think I also tried to write a lot of thank you notes to people that signed like petitions of ours or whatever the case might be. Um, And so wrote you know hundreds of those and people would. Thank you notes
5: take a long time, that's a lot of labor. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so
2: I just throw on a movie and that's just the way that I would roll on on Friday or Saturday night. A lot of times it was like Ninja Turtles, but I watched some good ones, Liar Liar, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Terrible Message um <laughs> <sorry>.
5: uh, great
2: <laughs> nothing great.
0: motivates you like jim carrey's bowl cut jim carrey's oh god, jim amazing Curry. man jim carrey's the god mm-hmm. you ever see the other candidates out and about and it's like awkward like you I guys did. are racing to a corner you're like fuck i need that spot yeah i and saw you, uh,
2: i saw alex alex Peterson was councilman Peterson, i should say was, was getting uh re-
0: put some respect. respect on his name man hey
2: <laughs> um he was getting a suit pressed when we were um t- we were setting up our table it was kind of funny Oh, there it it's wow. like a tale of two campaigns. Like, throw we're, wow. we're, we're dialing up the, coffee. Wow. It's like 11 a.m., right? And yes. we're dialing up the Vince Staples. Like, yes. we're out there cranking Hell the music. Yeah. We just got a big bucket of chicken from his L's. <laughs> and summertime Alex is sick. on the yes. same corner. He's like, he's like holding up the suit to the light to make sure like Shut the, up! The right. <laughs> I was oh like, god. oh my god. You guys you guys say anything to each other? Yeah, we shook hands. <laughs> I didn't give him a chicken though. He didn't give him any He <laughs> put some chicken grease on his I suit? I may have had like a chicken leg in one hand, and went up to him and shook my hand. I was like, "What do I even look like right now?" <laughs> you're
0: you're a real
5: fly of- guy, you know. You're a real fly guy.
2: <laughs> you're
0: a very fly guy. And what cracked me up is that every group photo, you have to break this on. Where the fuck did the Sean Scott squat
2: come from? So you were asking a question about which movies I would oh, watch yeah. while writing letters. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched an Usain Bolt documentary, and he have he 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 do that kind of like the thing. He's like pointing his fingers or whatever. I and I was it. like, yeah. I don't. I don't want to like. He can't just like bite Usain Bolt, but like yeah. some like something that's like when people see you in, in your pictures, like you know, okay, he's actually here today. So when you're not doing it, they know you're not having a good time. Yeah. But when you're when they see you doing, it, it's like okay, he's actually here. So like, I think I just tried a couple of different things Smart. over like a few pictures, I was trying to like the '90s rap <laughs> pose. I know that that resonates with Spec, um, and then I, I think we just ha- we just it, like just was settled on like or what? the peace sign. <laughs> I am <it>, old. <laughs> I'm also old. So that was it. It was just just That's
1: trying insane. too hard.
0: So, so you found uh, something that worked. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah.
1: Did everybody do that too? I was gonna ask if you guys had like a handshake, but you had like yeah. a pose.
2: Yeah, it was kind of the peace sign or the thumbs up. That's great. Yeah, I think that was mostly it. With the sweater vest. Because it's like corny. Yeah. It's like a it's like a joke on a joke. And then eventually like volunteers started to do it back to me too. So that was pretty that was pretty cool.
1: That's sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we asked yeah. our guests this and we've asked ourselves to answer this too on a previous podcast, but yeah. what was um something that radicalized you in your youth or what as Mm -hmm. you were growing up were some experiences or information that you were given or critical moments that like informed who you would become now
2: Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a really really good question i mean you know i i didn't really start to experience um race prejudice until i moved to seattle and so i think just the the whole idea that there could be like young white classmates of my and of mine who would like deliberately say things that they knew were harmful but they didn't know why they just knew that it was funny to say you know harmful things about you know you know to say harmful things and like use racial slurs Mm -hmm. and that left an impression on me i mean you know Yeah I think that and that was a lot of my upbringing honestly in Seattle and um, the arts kind of became kind of like we were talking about the arts earlier but just like kind of a way of feeling like I could escape some of it by just like you know latching on to music but then I found out that that's as political as anything else and like you know what we were talking about as far as you know. Black artists not getting their due on the biggest stages and, like, finding out that, like, creative theft was a thing. I think that was a big deal to Mm -hmm. me, too. Like, it just seemed, as a young person, like, if you came up with this idea, like, and somebody else wanted to do it, why would they not credit you for it? Like, that just seemed like the most basic concept to me. So when... I don't remember how it was broken down to me, but, like, hey, Elvis Presley, like, none of these moves were, were his. Like I mean, he was, like, a good dancer, but he didn't come up with these. And it's like... And he didn't, like share some of the money or he didn't like shout out the other people or whatever like to me that was kind of mind-blowing so mm-hmm. i think that part of it of like white performers you know not fully paying homage to and respecting this the space that they are allowed to innovate and, and craft in culturally to me has always been really 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 off-putting in some ways um you know especially when we have you know examples like speck of somebody who actually is like rooted in rap and jazz and like you actually do what you can do to talk about why the whole tradition matters and like the performance that you do are actually like respectful of the tradition it just lets mm-hmm. me know like the artists that don't go about it that way yeah. are the ones with the, they have a problem mm-hmm. so yeah something
5: that i've been um like thinking about a lot especially like after nikita and teresa's campaigns mm-hmm. is you know coming from like grassroots organizing and then this like foray into electoral politics Mm -hmm. it feels like no matter what we do like as radical whoever is in office like we can continue to like push radical candidates of color people from marginalized identities into office Mm -hmm. but that no matter what we do like it is set up to be limiting like no matter who is in that office it will Mm -hmm. always only be harm reduction Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that you know obviously electoral politics is one tactic Mm -hmm. of like the very the very suite of things that we have and so i'm really interested to hear your thoughts about Mm -hmm. the role of running for office electoral work all of that Mm -hmm. within the larger scope of like true liberation like radical Mm -hmm. leftist movements right because you know like I think Seattle really loves to pat its back as it, you know, like it is dope that like we have the people that we have on city council. Obviously, like <coughs> mm-hmm. I love my boss with my entire being. Absolutely. But it actually being in office and like having to move through that and trying to be accountable within my own work has mm-hmm. been so challenging, mm-hmm. right? Like you just run into roadblocks at every thing and just trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, has really shed light on me on like how hard it is for when these people get into office for Mm -hmm. them to stay accountable to stay true to who they were when they came in Mm -hmm. um and i think we've seen people become you know like eroded over the years from who they were when they came in Mm -hmm. um so i'd love to just hear you think about like to talk about that as well yeah yeah that that could have been you yeah right
2: i mean the the some of the the earliest examples that i had about this and it's a really really a really great question i mean i think like I think of the fact that the Black Panthers are pretty much representative of as grassroots of an organization as you can get. They were talking about free food, free health care. They were talking about community policing and policing the police. And they also ran candidates. A lot of people don't realize that. The only person to ever beat Barack Obama in an election was a literal Black Panther, right? Um, when he ran for um, the congressional seat in two thousand, um Bobby Rush killed him. And it was because Bobby Rush understood grassroots organizing in a way that Barack didn't at that time. And the reason why he understood it was because he had actual experience with, you know, tenant organizing and mm-hmm. with these programs that were actually doing like really, really important on the ground work in Chicago. So the way I look at it is if it was good enough for the Panthers to say, it's gonna be important for us to run candidates like Elaine Brown and to run candidates like Bobby Rush um, while we're also doing these other programs that
3: Mm -hmm. are gonna like
2: feed into the policy discussion but also help people directly and materially. Mm -hmm. Who would would we necessarily be to say that we can't walk and chew gum at the same time as far as electoral politics and base building work because you can't, you know, you, you can, Compliment the work that you're doing with the left hand with the right hand mm. with those things. Like, you can do both of those things. I guess that's something that I think it's important for people to realize that, right. you know, our, 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 our movements, not everybody has, like, you know, not everybody who would be the, the, the person to run for office would also be the one who would make an effective tenants' rights organizer or the person who would, mm-hmm. um, who, you, who you would want running a free food program or a healthcare clinic, right? But if you're all coming from the same background, you all have skills that are kind of like, this is the way that I can help, this mm. is the way I can help. The problem is I think when when people run with their part of it and they take it, like this is the most important thing. And I do okay. think that electoral organ, or like people who work in electoral work, we have to, th- that's on us to make sure that we're doing the most downward re- redistribution because I think we're right. the ones who are rewarded immediately the most for our struggle. Yeah. It's part of the reason why when I was running, I was like, look, 40% of any salary that I take as a city council member is going into a strike fund, just so you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to get rich, I'm not here to make more money than the people I'm trying to represent. I want to use this as a material vehicle to actually um, reinvigorate and help um, continue to rejuvenate the struggles that actually made my own candidacy possible, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's things like that that not only signal but also materially make it so that there's a real cohesion between the labor work Mm -hmm. and the tenants work and the electoral work. And I think if we roll like that, then yeah. you know, we're pretty much gonna be unstoppable because it's like you were saying earlier that there's so much talent and people who are um Chrissy, you were saying this earlier, like there's so much talent, people who don't necessarily feel like electoral work can be an avenue for everything mm-hmm. that they have to offer. Um, and they see a lot of do not enter signs, we have to take mm-hmm. some of those down and I think yeah. we'll be we'll be in good shape if that keeps happening. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Should we play a round of Zaddy, Daddy,
0: Father? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what is season two? Season oh, yeah. two, maybe. All right, I'm gonna name three people, Okay. And you have to either <coughs> label them. Do you have to rank them in Zaddy, mm-hmm. Daddy,
2: or Father? So Zaddy is what? Ex- Top tier, extremely god tier, oh, yeah. like holy a, shit god God-tier, tier, exactly like attra- a
5: salt and pepper like nice shade. okay so we're talking
2: like attractiveness and then well, daddy's like the oh hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know the whole okay. package all right
5: <laughs> salt,
2: <pepper. The> Daddy? <laughs> now we
1: know Aretha's Wow. sad okay shit.
2: got a preference aretha <laughs> what'd you think about aretha
1: <laughs>
0: my god okay <laughs> Kind of, kind, of the, kind, kind of matches up. Kind of matches up, All
1: those matchmakers out there, now you know. What? <laughs> <Are you, laughs> I like
0: seasoning. All wow. you gotta do on your Tinder is increase that age. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's the problem.
1: Kind how many dudes groomers. listening
0: to
2: this right now are checking out like the hair dye on Amazon? <laughs> no. and trying to get the prime look of it's like, okay.
1: DMs. Back to the literacy check. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> they know how to do
0: So daddy
2: you. is close to zaddy.
0: It's not quite zaddy, but it's still... Damn, daddy, you know?
2: Never say. you Why do you have to look right at me when you said that? You, like, you have to look he does right, with everybody. And, oh, it's and, not just
0: you. And, and then, father. You okay. know, it's like. Father. She's just a father.
2: Girl, All right. You know? Uh. Just so, a father. It's so demeaning.
0: A, it's, you know, you such
2: little respect for. It's be,
0: you know, you're there. But the working
2: families okay. in Seattle. Oh. you're Not just a father. Hey,
0: there's a lot of working zaddies out there. All right, zaddies belong to the working we class. We got one as right well. here, pulling his beard, Ooh. checking our audio. Example A, of father. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> the face of zaddies is speculation. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. All right. I need a third one because
2: I know the first two I want. All all right, come up with it. Improvise, man. All right, all right. You know well, what? I guess Let's do doesn't. this. Let's
0: do this first, and then we'll do the three.
2: If this is Bernie the- Sanders. Zaddy,
0: uh-huh. daddy, or
2: father? Um, Bernie Sanders' signature appears on my paycheck, so I'm going to tread really, really lightly here.
0: Might not want to pick Zaddy, then.
2: Um, <laughs> I think... Give me the options again. Daddy. Zaddy. Zaddy. Daddy. Daddy. Father. I think... Zad just thinks,
0: oh my god version of daddy right right
2: <laughs> i think you know i think Something i think different. bernie is daddy i think yeah. bernie i think i think you know both in
5: so he has a know, little sex appeal. there's
2: the sense that you're talking about it in and then there's also the fact that he there's a lot of gravity behind what he talks about like i think we're in a moment that has been kind of captured by a lot of his ideas
0: yeah, he has an apron on yeah cooking so I would burgers i the grill.
2: yo yeah.
5: young bernie was fine as fuck mm. yeah
2: he kind of was bernie yeah. right
5: now is fine as
2: fuck
1: he's like hot nerd hot nerd once yeah. again russell wilson date night for the two of you
2: um <laughs> so i go to the barber with pictures of russell wilson like can you cut my hair like that but not the way his hair is cut now is in two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. Oh pre Sierra. He had a Russell. juice cut like oh. his cut was like it was really, really right. Pre Sierra. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I have to I would have to give him a zaddy. Of course yeah. you would. That's your I wallpaper. Mean, that makes sense. It yeah.
5: completely makes sense. Yeah.
0: Who's Seattle's mayor in twenty twenty
2: one? Um Mosqueda. Mosquito.
0: Oh, I—I I mean, that was a half-serious question that was re- responded with a serious-ass answer and the correct answer.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god!
0: Oh, is that everyone's pick right now? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mine. It's yeah. mine. Yeah.
2: I'm just asking. It's early. It's early. It's early. You just asked me a question. I tried to give you great, great an answer.
5: We're really excited for what we have in store for season two. We have really dope guests coming up. I'm going to be talking a lot about a lot of really interesting issues. Um, I do have some sad news, friends. We will not be doing YouTube videos anymore. Uh, Yay! (laughs) Yay! Respect! Also, this means that we can just, you know, be in our pajamas the entire time. So it's going to be great. Um, Follow us on all of the things, all the platforms. Tell your mom, tell your aunties, tell your cousins get everyone to listen
0: five stars Stitcher Spotify iTunes there's a couple more obscure ones that Myra uses but <laughs>
5: <laughs> whatever we you Myra yeah. uh, Myra will be back next week Myra y'all Myra will be back
4: cool I'm cool with that leave
0: a
5: comment thank
4: you Sean thank you Sean thank you, thank
0: you.